1: The battered and bruised Houston Rockets are limping to the finish line of this NBA season. What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JTGatlin, the show, of course, at Locked Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Super loaded show today, a lot to talk about, two different games, which I'm going to kind of focus mostly on, uh, I mean, I'm kind of cramming both games into the first segment, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, we're kind of moving away from that. Um, Do want to focus a little bit on, because there was some uh, discourse on online the other day about the Rockets pick situation. I want to talk about that a little bit, uh, you know, in regards to the pick swap and the, the mentality towards it all, as well as we'll revisit uh, the Milwaukee pick situation, as well as the Portland Trailblazers pick situation, the picks that are owed to the Rockets. And lastly, in the final segment, we're going to uh, hear the audio from, Rockets CEO Tad Brown who is going to be stepping away at the end of the season so we'll hear his his presser and I'll give you know some some brief thoughts on that situation and what that means for the team moving forward but let's start off I mean just very briefly with the Clippers game from Friday night uh another game where we saw the Rockets playing relatively competitive basketball. They had a strong third quarter, but whether you attribute that to the Rockets actually picking up their defense or the Clippers just missing shots, uh, it was a 19-11 to 11 quarter in favor of the Rockets. They came away, they lost the game by five points. John Wall put up 27 points on just 9 of 22 shooting, though. Uh, did have 13 assists, was uh, was facil- facilitating at a decent level in this game. Um I you know, I, I took some issue with uh, the defensive effort at times, which has been my biggest gripe for Wall is we know that he's a very capable defensive player and he seemingly chooses to just not make the right rotations or not give the right effort defensively, which is frustrating to see. Uh, Christian Wood had a 24 and 19 night, uh, but on just 8 of 22 shooting overall, and had that one play where he landed kind of awkwardly and was kind of gripping at his at his thigh, uh, and then both guys missing missing time against the the Denver Nuggets, uh, the Rockets effectively playing what wound up basically being a six man lineup against the Denver Nuggets um, with the fact that Jay Sean Tate. Uh, was another one of the guys who have been kind of uh, hobbled, beaten up, bruised a little bit, uh, but still hasn't missed a game. The only Rocket to appear in every single game this season so far. And uh, credit to him, he was running the point, basically, uh, in that Nuggets game, the starting lineup that the Rockets trotting out with Armani Brooks, K.J. Martin, Jay Sean Tate, D.J. Wilson, and Kelly Olynyk. What a starting five. Um... So we got to see point Tate in that game uh he did ease up significantly his minutes load in the in the second half basically getting more or less benched in the second half of this game. uh so pretty much for his first half stat line in 21 minutes uh he had 14 points, four or I apologize three rebounds, four assists, four steals uh really active defensively in this one. but my main takeaway from from what we saw to Jay Sean Tate, uh, in this Nuggets game, and and something that I really hope we continue to see more of moving forward, is he's so comfortable with the ball in his hands. Like, legitimately, he has no issue, and I think, and I saw it referred to the other day, and it was such a great, um, such a great way to describe it, is that, a lot of wing players or a lot of bigs in the NBA will play with their head down, right? Like when they're when they're handling the rock, they don't play with their head up. They're not surveying the court. They don't have the court vision. They don't have they don't have the comfortable handle on the ball to play with their head up. And Jayshon Tate absolutely does. So, like when he's handling the rock in transition or making a play in the half court, whatever it is, he's surveying and he's reading everything going on. And that's why he's such a good playmaker. I mean, one of the reasons why he's such a good playmaker. And that's why there's, you know, that's why there's the Draymond Green comparisons and all that, trying to see, you know, what his true ceiling is, what he's going to be as he progresses. And I genuinely believe, he, you know, maybe, I, I mean, he's got all the tools, right, to be a better offensive version of Draymond Green you know and i think he's got the the defensive skills and mindset and tools to to easily be an all nba caliber defender you know i don't know if he'll ever reach uh, dpoy level because that's you know in part like i don't want to say it's a popularity contest but right it's sorta is um but he has the he has the tools and the skill set to absolutely be that type of player and potentially be an even better offensive player than draymond green and you know i was looking at his his statistics the other day for his shooting numbers, just for his free throw percentage, for his three point percentage. Um, I believe he's down to around like 29% from behind the arc on the year, uh, hovering around like 72% from the free throw line. And I'd really like to see, based on everything else that he does so well, you know, on the court, both sides of the basketball. I would really, really like to see him go, like, get to around like at least the 75% mark on his free throw shooting um and then i'd say around 33 or 34% consistently from behind the arc and that's enough to make defenses respect his game from outside to where it'll continue to open everything else for it'll it'll open everything else up for him right it'll open up the driving lanes which then opens up his ability to get inside uh to to play to continue playmaking for his teammates all that stuff so that's and it's been our, you know, the one gripe about Jay Sean Tate all season. It's not even really a gripe. It's just, hey, he's a rookie. He's playing out of his mind. He absolutely deserves a nod for all rookie first team. I'm fairly confident he's going to get it. Um, I cannot confidently name five better rookies than Jay Sean Tate right now. I really can't. Like, so he absolutely deserves a nod for all rookie first team. Um, and you know just moving forward you know working on that shooting if he can come back and get those numbers to somewhere around that range next season i mean it's a, he's a lock for a you know a top two-way player in this league for years to come and it's great that the rockets have him locked down in that three-year deal where they'll they will have his bird rights at the end of his contract and hopefully he remains a Houston rocket for the absolute long term but um also in this game we saw DJ Wilson, you know, who provided some spark. Kelly Olynyk continues just doing his thing, you know, Olynyk clinic uh churning out patients left and right uh both against the Clippers and the Nuggets. So nothing nothing new there, but uh DJ Wilson 25 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 10 of 17 shooting showed some real fluidity offensively. Looking like almost kind of like a poor man's Christian Wood with some of the ways that he would uh you know, pump fake At the you know off the arc and then drive the ball in and finish pretty cleanly inside the paint, you can kind of see it there. He's got the right skills, um, the right mentality. We've seen some other games where he's done the same thing and he's had some really awkward finishes. So maybe you attribute it to the fact that the Nuggets were blowing out the Rockets for the majority of this game, and you know maybe they just weren't trying as hard defensively. So the the group of what, six young guys that were playing kind of got to do whatever they want. Uh, but you can see it with DJ Wilson, right? You can see that there's, uh, you know, some promise there. He's He's got some potential. Um, I hope the Rockets can keep him around if they keep him around on a really cheap number. Um, I wouldn't overspend to hang on to him. I'm not that excited by him. But I do think that he's worth hanging you know, keeping around uh, with the young core, right? He and Christian Wood are good friends. Um I see no harm in, in trying to maintain him moving forward as kind of the third or potentially fourth big in the rotation or on the roster past, say, Christian Wood and, and Kelly Olenek. But with that, uh, and then Michael Porter Jr., I'll just give him a quick shout because uh, MPJ finished with 39 points uh, on 13 of 21 shooting, 8 of 12. God from behind the arc. Uh, just a ridiculous night for Michael Porter Jr. But uh, not much else to, to, you know, crazy highlight in this game. Anthony Lamb walked away with 21 points, so the first kind of breakout performance we've seen from him. Uh, K.J. Martin with 18 points on 7 of 12 shooting. Uh, Armani Brooks just 12 points on 3 of 11 shooting in the Nuggets game. Uh, but again, a game where, you know, the Rockets are missing basically their entire lineup of guys. They trotted out seven players. Uh, Daniel House Jr. was listed as available but didn't even play because he was one of the guys who uh, was injured. So, But they needed their their eight guys to be able to qualify to even play the game. So that's what happened. He wound up not playing. Jay Sean Tate was benched the second half. Uh, they had three different guys play 40-plus minutes. And it was just kind of one of those nights. So... The Rockets are slowly limping towards the finish line of this NBA season. Uh, But with that, I do want to talk about coming up the Rockets pick situation, uh, as well as third segment we'll hear from uh, Tad Brown himself and his decision to step away from the Rockets. But first, a quick message from my friends over at Indeed. If you're the hiring expert for your company, what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster and only pay for the candidates that meet must have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com/locked. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com/locked. Again, that's indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Another quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Look, let me just run down this list, right? Raspberry, German chocolate, salted caramel, mint chocolate brownie, banana bread, toffee almond, Right. You would think I'm talking about like luxurious desserts in some fancy dessert gallery somewhere. No, 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 we're talking about protein bars. right? And the reason we're talking about these protein bars is because they're the best protein bars on the market. They're soft, they're easy to chew, they're not gritty, they're not chalky like other protein bars. Every single bar is covered in 100% delicious chocolate. You cannot go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. My personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk, it is absolute A1. Got to check it out. These bars are low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. And you can check them out. Just go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off the best built bars, the best protein bars at BuiltBar.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcasts. Rolling along here and we're going to talk very briefly. Well, not briefly. We're going to spend a segment on it, but let's talk Rockets pick situation. And before I get to the actual, the Rockets pick, the swap that, you know, we're all fingers crossed, you know, knock on wood, hoping conveys. um, Let's talk really quickly about the picks that are owed to the Rockets from the Portland Trailblazers and the Milwaukee Bucks. So currently, um, the... Blazers are slotted to be a one of the uh, Western Conference play-in teams, and the Milwaukee Bucks are actually kind of slipping a little bit uh, out east, so there's potential for that pick to uh, potentially become even better. Right now it's slotted in as the 24th overall pick in the NBA draft. There's a potential that that pick could convey and be even nicer than that. Um, And to be able to get a better understanding of that, let's look at the remaining strength of schedule for these two teams. Um, So, the Blazers, I'm fairly confident, are going to be locked in as one of the four Western Conference playoff teams. They have the sixth toughest remaining schedule uh, across their 12 games. Uh, Some of their uh, opponents include the Jazz, the Suns, the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Lakers. Uh, their easiest opponents uh, are us, the Rockets, uh, the Cavs, and the Pacers. So I think that the Blazers are going to find themselves more than likely in that play-in uh, that play-in tournament bracket. Um, they've they've lost five in a row. They're they're kind of uh, in free fall currently, and that is. Could be good or bad for the Rockets. Now, unfortunately, if they if they do land in the draft lottery, the pick does not convey this season. It is uh, top sixteen protected. So let's pretend for a moment, though. Uh, let's let's look at kind of where where the pick is currently sitting at. So it's sitting at nineteen right now. So if the Blazer, and this was the part that was kind of confusing to me, and I actually had to, I looked it up the other day, and uh, thankfully uh, Clutch fans also highlighted it and pointed it out, because um, I was involved in a couple different group chats where there was some confusion as to how the play-in tournament affected the lottery odds and whatnot, and so the last time I remember searching it, like earlier this season, there was still like no concrete answer that I found, and Uh, I searched it the other day, and thankfully there's now like multitude of articles that, you know, highlight exactly what the hell's going on with the play-in tournament and how that impacts the draft lottery. So a quick uh, summary, basically, uh, the way that it works is... Uh, Game number one for the play-in tournament, the number seven team in the standings uh, by win percentage will host the number eight team, and the winner will earn the number seven seed in the playoffs. The losing team gets a second chance at the playoffs in game number three of the play-in tournament. Game number two of the play-in tournament is team number nine hosting team number ten, with the winner moving on to game number three. The loser of this second matchup is eliminated and immediately enters the NBA Draft Lottery. Then game number three is the loser of the number seven versus number eight matchup from the first game, as well as the winner of the number nine, number 10 matchup from the second game with the winner grabbing the number eight seed. And then the loser gets entered into the draft lottery. So that is how the play in tournament impacts the draft lottery. So unfortunately for the Rockets, if the Blazers continue to be in free, not even if they continue to be in free fall, ideally we'd like the Blazers to be in that at least that 7 seed range to where they have multiple chances to crack the playoffs right because if they're in the 7 seed they get a shot at you know cracking it as the actual 7 seed and then they get a secondary shot at making it as the 8th seed which would then allow the rockets to retain their pick so if you really want to get greedy with it um you could potentially say that you really want uh portland to uh, to fall and to be just the eighth seed because then that would uh convert I guess their their draft pick to the best possible odds without entering them into into the draft lottery. So that's how that impacts that. So we want Portland in the playoffs. that's that's what we're pulling for. And then from the Milwaukee angle of things, the Rockets actually play Milwaukee twice before seasons end. So, Milwaukee has actually one of the easiest strength of schedules remaining. Um, they do play the Nets uh, a couple different times. So that's, you know, probably going to be the games where if we're rooting for teams to beat Milwaukee to increase their pick value, then we've got to be pulling for the Nets. So, um, which I know it feels kind of dirty given all things considered. Uh, But I want a better pick from Milwaukee. They do also play the Rockets twice to finish off the season. So it's kind of nice that the Rockets can, you know, sort of more or less, uh, you know, take, uh, you know, take control of their destiny with that pick. And if they actually... Play a decent couple games of basketball against the Bucks. Maybe they get lucky, and the Bucks decide to start resting some guys down the stretch. That kind of thing. Um, the Rockets might be able to force Milwaukee's hand into a better overall pick for themselves. So those are a couple games that you absolutely want to see the Rockets, you know, trying their trying their best at to win uh, in order to force Milwaukee into giving the Rockets a better uh, late first round draft pick. Part of the. Uh, trade from the P.J. Tucker to Milwaukee uh, deal with the Rockets getting back both of the DJs in place of that, uh, in, as part of that deal, I should say. There we go. Um, so I just wanted to highlight those two pick situations, more or less, uh, as we're going into this tail stretch of the NBA season. Uh, and then the last one is just, you know, there was some discourse the other day uh, about, you know, the Rockets, you know, and their pick situation with the uh the pick swap and and the mentality towards it and you know all I'm going to say is where I'm kind of at is you know and shout out again cuz I've shouted this out before to Andrew Sukup who actually has a great you know way of looking at it is that when the Rockets traded that pick when they gave up when they gave the rights to swap that pick they effectively gave away their pick and so based on how this season has gone though with you know, having to deal with the rough start, trading away your franchise player, all of that, they have now given themselves a solid chance to regain that pick, and I think that's the absolute best way to look at it, right, is when you you gave away that pick, it was a foregone conclusion that that pick now belonged to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they would swap it with whoever they saw fit, yada yada, that's all that. Now that the Rockets are actually in a bad enough position that they might be able to retain that pick, this is just cherry on top of the cake, right? This is somehow you know the Rockets uh, potentially being able to reclaim one of the picks from the worst trade in franchise history. Pardon me. So looking at it through that lens, through that scope, yeah, it would still totally suck if the pick fell all the way to number five and it conveyed to the Thunder. That would hurt. It would. It absolutely would. I'm not I'm not trying to take any of the sting out of that. But dropping from, say, 5 to the 15-ish, 16-ish range in a draft where there's some really solid talent all throughout that, you know, from the 6 through 20 range, give or take, not the absolute end of the world, especially when you consider the fact that the Rockets weren't even supposed to be in the mix for this pick, this pick in the first place, right? If you go all the way back to the start of the season and you tell... Rockets fans that they were gonna have a chance, even if it was just a fifty-two percent chance, at jumping from one franchise star to the next in you know, going from James Harden to a guy like Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs. If you told Rockets fans at the beginning of the season, hey, you're gonna have to give up James Harden this season. Sorry. He wants he wants out. You're not you're not salvaging it. Go back and listen to Jackson's you know, super optimistic podcast where he hopes that James Harden has a change of heart, all that. No, it's all BS. It's not going to happen. You go all the way back in time. You tell him that. You say, hey, you're going to have to trade him, but you're going to get a buttload of picks from the Brooklyn Nets, and you're going to be so bad this season that you're going to have a 52% chance at picking up a franchise-altering talent that is going to potentially fast-track this rebuild that the Rockets find themselves in. I feel like most Rockets fans would say hell yeah to that. And then you throw in the pick swap and you're like, oh, but you might also have a 40, 48% chance at giving up the pick. And then you're like, ah, oh, that sucks. But I like the coin flip, right? Coin flip is great. I'm all about the coin flip. So maybe I'm just rolling into this way more optimistic than, than the average person. But again, if you had told me that scenario at the start of the season by saying, hey, Harden is out the door, you're going to trade him, but you're going to get back a million different picks, and you're going to have a chance at a franchise-altering talent in this year's NBA draft. You're going to have 52% odds at picking one up. How would you feel about that? I'd say, hell yeah, let's roll those dice. So that's just my mentality towards it, Um, and hopefully that, that conveys some optimism or some hope. Uh, for, for you listening to this podcast right now. But coming up, we want to hear from Tad Brown, uh, him stepping down as the Rockets president and CEO. We'll get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA is still going strong. we got playoffs right around the corner, not so much for the Rockets. Can we bet on the draft lottery? That might be fun. Let's do that. I'll reach out to BetOnline. We'll get we'll get some prop bets based on the uh, the draft lottery. Uh, we've also got NHL going on, uh, MLB as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. So head over to their website and sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50%. 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online. Your online sports book experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked on NBA Draft. We recently had Richard uh, at Mavs Draft. I know. Sorry about the at. I can't I can't, I'll tell him to, he needs to change it. No. Um, Richard knows his stuff. We recently had him on. We did the, uh, our very first uh, draft episode previewing uh, Cade Cunningham and his fit with the Rockets, his ceiling, his floor, expectations, his, you know, NBA comps, all of that. We really dove dove in deep on kind of picking apart Cade Cunningham and and, kind of looking forward to what he would look like in a Rockets jersey, all of that. We're going to have this week, we're going to have Jalen Suggs, uh, as well as Evan Mobley discussions again with Richard, uh, you know, credential draft expert really knows his stuff. So looking forward to doing those episodes and continuing to uh, navigate the draft coverage. Seeing as how this is my only my second year doing Locked On, but then my first year doing draft coverage. So I got a taste of the playoffs last year, and the Rockets said, nope, that's enough, Jackson, you don't get any more playoff coverage. Um, So this year we're doing NBA draft coverage, and uh, I'm learning as I go, trying to figure out the best ways to approach those episodes. But let's go ahead and... We'll hear from Tad Brown really quickly, uh, his general statements, thoughts, feelings. Uh, I, I kind of picked out the best snippets from his little uh, press conference the other day, and then I'll give my brief thoughts after that wraps up. So let's go ahead and hear what Tad Brown has to say as he is planning to step down as the Rockets CEO at the end of this season.
0: Yeah, brief statement as we as we start. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for, uh, for being on this this call today. Uh, announcing the fact that I'll be transitioning out of my role as CEO, effective at the end of the season. Um, you know, I've been talking to Tillman for a while about a succession plan and what, what uh, you know, I think would be in, uh, what would be in the best interest for me and my family uh, and for the organization uh, at a time that I think is really important. And, and it's, it's, it's time to, you know, it's time to move on uh, and it's time to uh, take on uh, other adventures that that uh, that we're looking forward to and it's been the greatest honor of my life uh, my professional life to lead this organization uh, i've been here 20 years i've been uh, the ceo for 15 the it's been the ride of a lifetime that has been so special to me to my family uh, to the friends that i've made the 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 employees, our staff, our players, our coaches, uh, everybody who we've been able to bring on uh, as part of our lives, as part of our family. It's been uh, just an amazing ride. Um, Tillman, uh, when he purchased the team, you know, Tillman and I have known each other for 20 years. We've been friends long before he became the owner of the team. We've seen our kids grow up together, we've seen our, our, our families have been friends. Uh, he's been an amazing mentor, uh, an amazing boss, someone who I respect incredibly. He, his son Patrick, uh, the Fratita family, they're going to be incredible stewards of this franchise for generations to come. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really bittersweet time for me, but I am excited about the future uh, of this organization. I'm excited about the team that they have in place, uh, my management team has nearly a hundred years experience with this organization alone. Uh, so I feel really good about our succession and, uh, and where we're gonna be going in the future. So it, it's very emotional as you can imagine. This is my heart and soul. This is my life. And anybody who knows me and anybody who knows this organization knows that this is, it's a 24 seven job. We feel very good about the succession planning in place. Gretchen Sheer has been with me. Uh, for 15 years as as uh, my kind of my right hand uh, on the on the business side and we brought Doug Hall back who's the general manager of the building he's very well respected very well known not only within the industry but he's held many positions throughout the Houston community and he knows everybody um, and people who are are at Toyota Center often know both of them as kind of the, the, the leaders on the senior management team. And then, like I mentioned, Larry Kaiser, who's been in our finance group for 23 years, Clay Allen, who's, who's been our counsel. We've got a terrific team uh, that I don't believe we're gonna miss a beat in, um, in seamlessly integrating and continuing on with the excellence that we've that we've kind of enjoyed off the court, if you will. This has nothing to do with ownership. This is one of the most uniquely selfish things I've ever done. And I'm I'm truly thinking about me and my family. Tillman could not be more gracious or or uh, supportive of of my decision and and what we have tried to do from a succession perspective to make sure that it's a seamless transition. Um, and also, it, it's not a new ownership situation. Uh, this is three and a half years in, and and uh, you know I felt very clear obligation. Um, and I was excited about the obligation in, in welcoming Tillman, Patrick, uh, you know, the fatita family into the ownership uh, of the NBA and transitioning them in so that they got their feet under them to be successful. Um, and I think this is a great time to go. You know, we, we had an unbelievable run early and then we had an, a almost an historic upheaval uh, at a time uh, during the pandemic where it was, it was a very challenging time. And then we've reset and we've got, we've got a, a good young core. We're going through it a little bit right now, uh, but we've got a really good young core. We've got a great young coach. Uh, we've got a, a great young GM. I mean, they're not that young. They're younger than me, but um you know i i feel good about where the organization is heading and i feel good about where they are this isn't about Tillman this isn't about anybody Tillman has been fantastic in everything that we've needed you know on the basketball side over the years everything we've needed on the business side over the years um it's been really business as usual now as it has been in the past um, so i i would hope that people wouldn't go there but uh But, you know, I I really hope people don't go there.
1: So some quick thoughts on this just to wrap up the show. Um, Look, Tad Brown's been a staple of the Rockets organization for 20 years now. And this is effectively, like I said, you know, the end of the Leslie Alexander era of Houston Rockets basketball. But my read on this, and maybe I'm wrong. I was wrong on the Daryl Morey one, but I I do feel really strongly about, about it this time look the rockets are staring down the barrel of a rebuild right and tad's been with the organization for a long long time he's seen the the peaks and valleys already multiple times um you know and this this is not a team that's going to suddenly be com- competing for a championship within the next year or two right we're hoping for a fast turnaround to where this team can be competitive again but I don't blame him for choosing to step away now. And what I will say, and I echoed this on social media after we first found out about it, you have to give absolute credit to Tad Brown for sticking it out through this season. Because he said in this presser that he has been talking about this with Tillman Fertitta for a while. And he could have very easily, alongside you know, D'Antoni, Maury, Harden, Russ, all those guys asking out, leaving, um, he could have very easily just piled on and said, "You know what? I'm out too. I'm done. The COVID's, you know, the COVID season was crazy. The shutdown was wild. I'm ready to I'm ready to hang it up. Sorry, I'm out." He didn't though. He chose to stick it out. He chose to be here to help this team navigate this really, you know, tumultuous season uh, you know, having to deal with, you know, departing from their franchise cornerstone in James Harden, uh, you know, hiring on, bringing on a new head coach, allowing Rafael Stone to get adjusted in his role as the new general manager. All of this and having that consistent, that constant of Tad Brown has to have been a godsend for this organization because if you throw on needing to replace your your president, your CEO, you know, on top of everything else this team was plagued with this season, it, it would just, it could have turned what, what, what was already a dumpster fire into just an even worse dumpster fire. So absolute credit to Tad Brown for sticking it out and you know his I think a lot of people write the, the answer to the question at the very end about talking about you know, is this, does this have anything to do with Tillman Fertitta? I think that one, our very own podfather ben, du- ben DuBose proposed that question and I will say that there are plenty of things that I blame Tillman Tita for. I've done it many a time on this podcast. But I also think that it gets to be a little bit too much sometimes where people have painted him to be some type of a cartoon villain. You know, the guy isn't actively, uh, you know, doing things to the detriment of his friend. Like, he's not walking around saying, how can I mess up the Rockets today? Like, come on, be realistic. He's the owner of the Houston Rockets. He wants to see the team succeed. And I think that if you get behind that mindset, then you can, it, it kind of makes it easier to think, okay, yeah, He's done some silly things. He's done some dumb stuff. He's made some poor decisions or, you know, got you know elected to not do some things that we would have liked to see the team do. Sure. Luxury tax comes to mind. The, you know, ham fisting the, the Russell Westbrook trade comes to mind. Sure. But he's also a you know first-time owner. He's been an owner for three and a half years. I'm not defending him by any stretch of the imagination. What I'm trying to say is I don't think this decision is Tillman based. And I think that there was a level level of uh you know, genuineness in Tad Brown and and the way that he explained that. And, uh, you know, that's just my takeaway from it. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, like the Daryl Morey situation. Maybe Tad picks up another job in another NBA front office two months from now, uh, and we can turn around and laugh at this podcast and say, Jackson, you're an idiot. Uh, But I kind of get different vibes from this one than I did from the Daryl Morey situation. But with that... um, You know, best wishes to Tad Brown, to his family. He's been a staple of the Rockets franchise for you know two decades now, and it'll be interesting to see the direction that they go with filling his vacancy. They seem very confident in the person that they have lined up to be the replacement for him, to be his successor. Uh, maybe they just named Patrick Fertitta <laughs> the CEO. Uh, maybe they go with another in-house hire, somebody who's been there uh, for quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see how that position develops, and of course, we'll keep you posted with all the news right here at Locked on Rockets when we do find out and and ultimately React to whatever the decision, uh, you know, comes to be. But with that, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Be sure to tune back throughout the week as we have more draft coverage. We'll have an episode on Jalen Suggs. We'll have an episode on Evan Mobley. Um, we're going to do another locker room this week. Uh, TBD on the locker room. Keep, you know, follow on Twitter at JT Gatlin. Uh, we have to deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves game, which tips off at 8 p.m. So that actually. Uh, coincides with the usual time for the locker room uh, that that Ali Khan and I usually host on Tuesday evenings. So we will figure out what time we're doing that locker room, whether we do it before the game or immediately after the game. Um, But again, I'll keep you updated on that on Twitter. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.